Welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for August 25th, 2022. This is Brian Kirk, and this week, the conclusion of our two-part series on recessions. We'll discuss the current economic backdrop and examine the likelihood that we are now or soon will be in a recession. Joining me again today is Brian Jordan, Deputy Chief Economist, and Ben Ayers, Senior Economist. Brian, let's start with you. What causes a recession? So this is really the big question as we think about whether the economy is now or will soon be in a state of of recession. And admittedly, different schools of economic thought have different things to say about what causes a recession, or they may emphasize different aspects of what causes a recession. But if if we look at the historical record, I think we see from an overarching perspective that a curtailment of the money creation mechanism in the economy is what causes recessions. Expansions happen when money flows through the economy. Recessions happen when that money flow is curtailed. So we all learn very early on in economics classes that banks create money through lending. And banks create money when through lending when they are given an incentive to lend. Uh, we also learn very early on in economics courses that banks borrow at the short end of the yield curve and they lend at the longer end of the yield curve. So there is an incentive for banks to lend. In other words, an incentive for banks to create money when there is a healthy gap between short-term interest rates and long-term interest rates. So many of our listeners, I'm sure, have heard us talk very often on these podcasts about the yield curve. We talk very often about the Federal Reserve, and it's for this very reason. Um, The yield curve is a great marker of whether the economy is generating money or not, whether there is an incentive for banks to create money or not. Again, when short-term interest rates are well below long-term interest rates, that incentive is there. Lending activity is healthy. Money flows through the economy, and the economy, no coincidence, grows. When short-term interest rates move in line or above long-term interest rates, that incentive goes away, lending slows, money creation slows, and the economy grinds to a halt. This is when we get recessions. And of course, short-term interest rates are directly controlled by the Federal Reserve. In fact, the Fed's main policy instrument, the federal fund's target, is the interbank lending rate. It's the overnight interbank lending rate, the benchmark short-term interest rate. So it's very much a function, the business cycle, very much a function of bank lending, which itself is very much a function of Federal Reserve monetary policy. Thanks, Brian. Now, Ben, let me bring you into this question here, too, in terms of the indicators. And last week, we started off looking at the indicators that MBER uses to determine turning points in the business cycle. How have those indicators performed so far in 2022? And what does it imply about whether the economy is currently in a recession? Yeah, just a recap of of what the MBER looks at. They look at certain labor market indicators both looking at the payroll surveys and the household surveys. Um, They look at consumer indicators. They look at what's going on with real incomes and and real 
consumer spending. And then finally, look at the business side and they determine is industrial production growing or are retail sales growing relative to inventories? Those sort of factors to really determine how the economy is doing. Are we slowing? Are we dipping into contraction? Uh, and really, overall, in the first half of 2022, while there are some building concerns among some of those indicators, most of them look pretty good. Um, we'll start with the labor market, which is probably, probably the most optimistic. Um, the economy added nearly 2.8 million jobs in the first half of the year, according to the non-farm payroll survey, with another over 500,000 added in July. So very strong job growth, very strong labor market, and certainly not showing anything from a recessionary standpoint from that point of view. Um, the household survey was a little more stagnant, um, did not see as much of an increase over the first half of the year, uh, and maybe be that little bit of an early indicator. That's a much smaller survey, um, and so sometimes the indicators there don't quite um, jive with what we see from the payroll survey. But yet again, not declines that we would typically see for a downturn, more of a stagnation of, of growth and in, in employment in the household survey. Um, so yet again, not pointing to any sort of recessionary signal from the labor market. Consumer sector, a little bit more mixed, certainly with inflation running so high this year, many of those real measures which are adjusted for inflation, whether you're looking at income growth or looking at consumer spending, don't look quite as strong. We've seen nominal growth, certainly in retail sales, and pretty solid nominal growth in, in wages and incomes. Many times that's been you know, superseded by the very strong inflationary numbers. Um, but I would point out that many times those nominal figures, particularly from a wage front, tend to lag much longer than what we would see from inflation. And so maybe as we hopefully we see inflation slow down over the rest of the year, and particularly in 2023, we would see some pretty good numbers from a real adjusted perspective, particularly in the income front. As it's unlikely that wages will slow very quickly, but maybe we will see inflation slow pretty quickly as well. So I think from the consumer sector, a bit more of a mixed signal, but really, yet again, nothing that would suggest that we're in a recession right now, more that things are starting to slow down and moving in that direction. Uh, and then finally, from a business sector perspective, still really pretty good growth. Um, yet again, signs that things are slowing, um, but in particular industrial production, which typically peaks about six to 12 months before a recession actually starts, that continued to expand in the first half of the year, particularly led by strong demand for manufactured products. And so that continues to grow. The ISM business surveys continue to show solid expansion. And so really across the board, you know, maybe some signs of some slowdown, but particularly for those indicators that the NBER looks at, no sign of a recession, despite obviously those reported negative real GDP growth figures. Uh, really, from the other indicators that we look at from an economic standpoint, no sign of a strong recession in the first half of 2022. That's a relief to everybody listening to this podcast right now. It sounds like that we're not in a recession now, but as an economist, is there anything in those statistics you just called out there or any others maybe that might give us clues as to whether a recession is approaching? Yeah, as I said, many of those indicators, you know, not, maybe not the labor market, but some of the consumer and the business side indicators starting to slow and kind of moving towards the direction of moving into contraction. And particularly think about what's happening in the housing sector right now. Um, that's always very sensitive to what's what interest rates are, but you know that would be clearly moving towards or in a recessionary environment from a housing perspective, just based upon the sharp jump in mortgage rates and the strong pullback that we've seen both in construction and on sales in that sector. Um, but really, I would focus on the yield curve, uh, which is that spread 
between the short-term and the long-term interest rates. Um, as Brian indicated, as you see things flip and the Fed raises short-term rates and those get higher than long-term rates, it really just disrupts the incentives within the economy. And you start to see that as a best leading indicator of a recession. Um, right now, the yield curve is inverted for most of its length. Uh, it's not fully inverted because right now the federal funds rate is below many of the long-term rates, um, but we could very well see that full inversion soon. Uh, if the Fed does hike by 50 basis points or more in September, and that could put a, a full inversion at risk in the second half of this year, but particularly even starting as early as September. Uh, and as that inversion goes through and maybe we see that sustained for a couple months through the end of the year, that would be a pretty good indication that unfortunately, not right away, um, but somewhere you know, six to 12 months down the line, we might see that next recession. Thanks, Ben. Let's stay with you for this next question then. It's, the, of course, the, the million dollar question. Given those trends you're talking about right here, what is the likelihood that a recession will take hold later this year or maybe early next year in 2023? And as you're answering that question, too, we've heard a term called soft landing. Tell us more about that. What are the chances we could get a soft landing here? Even if we do see that inverted yield curve, that would not mean a recession is right away. And given many of the positive trends, particularly the labor market that we're seeing right now, I would still put the odds of a recession over the second half of 2022 pretty small. Uh, just don't see that the economy will slip into a recession over the next you know, five months or so. But clearly, 2023 is more on the watch list for a downturn, especially in the second half of the year. Uh, it's expected that the Fed will likely stop hiking interest rates by the end of this year, early 2023. Um, but that really depends on inflation. And that's really the key swing factor for us when we look at it from a forecasting standpoint. If inflation continues to run hot, the Fed is more likely to continue tightening. And that could, with each success of tightening, that puts the economy more at risk of a downturn in 2023 or 2024. At this stage, I would say the odds of a downturn next year might still only be 50-50, but certainly uh, it's gone up a lot over the past you know, few months. And if the Fed continues to see aggressive rate hikes you know, in September, following that up and later this year, and maybe even in early 2023, that, that moves you even further towards the odds of a recession towards the end of next year, if not next year, than in the 2024. Now, if inflation does cool and it cools quicker than we expect and the Fed expects, maybe the Fed won't have to hike as much as they expect. Uh, and maybe that would help to extend the cycle for longer. And that's really your soft landing scenario. Uh, and there's still possible. Um, but still, I think right now the odds are probably less than 50% given that we think inflation is likely to remain pretty hot to the end of the year and into 2023. And I think that's going to put a lot of pressure on the Fed to continue with these rate hikes to try to get ahead of inflation and, and slow that down over the next year. And particularly histories against the Fed as well. Uh, you think about over the last eight cycles, the Fed has achieved a soft landing only twice. So that's a 250 batting average, and that's typically under less stress conditions, particularly from an inflationary standpoint, than what the economy is facing now. So it's still possible. I think it's still within the range of possibilities that we will see a soft landing, but it's hard to assign a very strong odds to that given where the Fed has gone so far this year, where they're likely to go, and obviously that history going against it, that achieving that soft landing has been pretty difficult for the Fed to do. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate that. Now, Brian, let me ask you a question here. If we are going into a recession at some point, how will we even know it? And when? When we're going to find out? When do we find out we're actually in a recession? 
So it's a great question. And uh, officially, we will know it when the NBER makes its pronouncement that we are in a recession or were in a recession. Historically, the MBER has taken its time before it has made that announcement. It wants to make sure that it doesn't have to revise these recession dates at any point in the future. And of course, some of these economic indicators are revised. Some are revised significantly. So the MBER wants to wait some time before all those revisions, or at least some of those revisions, are in. Historically, it's taken at least over the last four decades or so, it's taken roughly seven months from the outset of a recession to the time at which the NBR makes its announcement. Um, And as we talked about last week on the call, recessions have been in recent decades relatively short, typically less than a year. So often by the time the NBER makes that announcement, by the time we know officially that the economy is in recession, we are actually coming to the end of the recession in, in many in many of these cases. 2001 is a prime example. The uh, NBER made its announcement that the economy was in a recession in November of 2001. They made the announcement in November of 2001 that we entered a recession in March of 2001. As it turned out, the recession was ending as the NBER was making that announcement in November of of 2001. And so very often, as we know officially that we're in a downturn, that downturn is either coming to an end or already has, has ended. Now, In real time, perhaps the best indicator we can follow is non-farm payroll employment. Um, It's the most timely of of the major monthly economic indicators. It's the most timely of of the indicators uh, that the NBER itself follows. We get the data just a few days, in most cases, after the reference period. So typically when we see employment declines, especially for a few months in a row, that's a good sign that we're probably going into a downturn. So, Brian, are there any long-term trends that we should consider when thinking about the probability of a near-term recession? I I think there are um, a couple of things to to think about here. And Ben hit the nail on the head in last week's podcast in talking about the, um, the, the, the more favorable business cycle in recent decades, the fact that expansions are growing longer and recessions are growing shorter. The longer expansions mean that double dips, even though we did have one in the the early 1980s, not so, so long ago, double dip recessions are rare. Um, And fundamentally, the reason the double dip recessions are rare is because the feedback loops early in expansions are working very concertedly in a positive direction. Um, Once the economy starts growing, we start gaining jobs, Job growth feeds into income growth, which um, feeds into spending growth, which feeds back into corporate profits, which feeds back further into employment. So you get this virtuous cycle that's just ramping up in the early stages of expansions. There's a lot of momentum during these periods. The economy is reflating during, during these periods. And so it takes a lot to turn the economy in the other direction very early in expansion. So this long-term trend towards longer expansions is something that would argue that the bar is set fairly high for a recession uh, to happen in the near-term future. Not that it couldn't, especially given how aggressively the Federal Reserve 
has been raising short-term interest rates. But the bar is set high for a recession to happen so shortly after we just had a recession in 2020. We should also stress this isn't just a U.S. phenomenon. Um, We've seen globally a trend toward longer expansions. And in fact, in many markets, we've seen longer expansions in recent decades than we have in in the U.S. We had the longest expansion in in U.S. history in the last expansion uh, that began in 2009 and ended in in 2020, so a nearly 11-year expansion. But very recently, we had a nearly 14-year expansion in Italy. We had a 14-year expansion in Spain. We had a 16-year expansion in the U.K., And Australia um, just wrapped up in late 2019 a 28-year expansion, expansion that lasted for for nearly nearly three decades. So it is rare for, uh, increasingly rare, not just in the U.S., but around the world, for recessions to follow in short order, to cascade upon themselves in short order. And so there is the potential that we could be going into a downturn, again, especially Given, given the recent Fed policy stance and the very likely ongoing policy stance in, in the months ahead. But the bar is set high for, for a downturn at this stage of the cycle. So our last question for this podcast, I'm going to ask both of you this question, see if you have any uh, similar or different thoughts about this. If we do see a recession over the next two years, what does the current data say about how deep or how long the next downturn could be. Brian, you want to kick us off with that one? And Ben, love to hear your thoughts on this too. So if we were to go into a downturn within the next couple of years, in all likelihood, the uh, that downturn would be a relatively mild, relatively limited recession. Um, so typically you have longer recessions, deeper recessions, when imbalances, big imbalances in the economy have built over the course of the preceding expansion. You get very loose lending standards. You get very high levels of debt, especially. You get these over-leveraged economies, these highly leveraged economies um, at the tail end of long expansions, and that sets the stage for deeper recessions. Well, this if, if we were to see a recession in, in, in the next couple of years, this would be a short expansion, and one in which, at least to this point, we haven't seen those imbalances developing. Lending standards have remained relatively cautious over the course of the last couple of years. In fact, recently, lending standards have grown grown tighter on balance. Leverage is still very low in this economy. Household debt as a percentage of GDP is just 75%. That's close to the lowest level in the last two decades. The financial obligations ratio, which is a measure of household debt service payments relative to income, including mortgages, auto auto loan payments, et cetera, relative to personal income, is near its all-time low at, at, at roughly 14%, just a bit above 14%. The long-term average is over 16%. So we haven't seen that over-leveraged economy. We, were, we would unlikely see it within the next couple of years if a downturn happens within that time frame. So that would suggest that the most likely course of, of the next recession, if it happens soon, is, um, is that it would be a relatively short one and a relatively mild one. I would agree with you, Brian. I, I think that 
for all the points you pointed out there, consumer and business balance sheets are in pretty good shape, uh, especially given some of the strong numbers we've seen from the labor market and just overall the strong bounce back and overall spending that we've seen over the past two years. And I think what really made, you know, obviously the COVID-19 is a bit of a different exception, but what happened the great financial crisis was we had a housing market collapse. We had a, a financial market crisis. And while we do see housing pull back, um, I do think that the bottom for housing this time around is pretty solid. And I certainly were not seeing any major signs of stress from the financial market system as well. So the combination of you know, these positive signs overall for the consumer and business sectors combined with really what we think is a pretty low risk of a, a big collapse in one part of the economy suggests it is going to be more of the modest, uh, more average, maybe even a little better than average. I, I think the one risk factor here is still inflation. And if inflation does remain higher and that forces the Fed to raise rates more than we expect uh, and cause more of a cutback in activity because those interest rates continue to move higher. I think that's our one risk factor where you could see more of a moderate type of a downturn. But again, I think that's more of a risk factor. I think the baseline assumption should be a pretty modest and a relatively short recession if we do see one over the next two years. Well, thank you, Ben. Let's wrap it up here for this episode. Brian and Ben, thank you both for your perspectives today. And to our audience, thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you can be notified as soon as we release our next podcast. And until next time, this is Brian Kirk with Nationwide Market Insights. The information provided by Nationwide Economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally, it does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax, or financial condition, or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes. Because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty, they will not reflect actual performance. We obtain certain information from sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide and the Nationwide N and Eagle are service marks of the Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2022. Nationwide.